You are listening to Concrete Conversations, an informative podcast brought to you by the Concrete Masonry Association of Australia. We represent the concrete masonry and segmental paving manufacturers in Australia. Our podcast will discuss technical information and case studies with some special guests from our industry. I'm your host, Elizabeth McIntyre, the CEO of the Concrete Masonry Association of Australia. On today's podcast, we're welcoming Michael Congress. With over a decade's worth of experience in paving, he certainly is one of our experts on how best to use paving in project design. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. Michael, we're just going to set the scene here before we go into our season of concrete paving conversations around what exactly is segmental paving. So segmental paving is a term that we use for any surface that contains individual units bound together by sand. And these individual units or precast units we call pavers. And so when we use pavers in conjunction with sand, that's when we have a segmental pavement. And I mean, we we talk about here, I think we look at old paving as in Europe and and even I guess Egypt to see how long it's been around for and and why why has it been so popular for so long? If we go back to sort of the the Roman times when we didn't have manufacturing plants like we have today and, and all the only materials that they had available to them were large stones and they knew what mortars were and so when you had the Romans who were building roads to support all their cities they got these large stone units and and put them together with mortar and that was the first types of roads available to, to civilization. And I guess as time has gone on, we've just evolved from that and made the process obviously much more streamlined. So you did now allude to the manufacturing of concrete papers. Can you just walk us through a very top line how they are actually manufactured? So concrete pavers are individual units, but fundamentally they are made from concrete. And concrete, as we know, is a mixture of sand, cement, water and aggregates mixed together and left to set or cure over time. And like all concrete products, pavers increase in strength over time. And so if we then look at the application of of pavers, I mean, a lot of people think footpaths or some roads may be the only place that you can use them. But what have you seen and and what have you designed them for, Michael, in your experience? Look, pavers, if designed correctly, can be used in a range of applications. So yeah, absolutely, we see them used in footpaths and sideworks and in great sort of pedestrian plazas. But in my time, I've designed many roads. And an example of that might be Olympic Park here in Sydney, where there are kilometres of segmentally paved roads, which were put down in the mid-90s leading up to the 2000 Olympics and are still in use today and looking absolutely fantastic. And then if we move on from roads, there's a lot of commercial hard stands. So factories where we've got trucks and B-doubles and forklifts and sometimes pallets stored on the pavers. And then up from that again, we've got these industrial hard stands like Port Botany, where we've got containers and, and really large plant equipment trafficking these surfaces really frequently and then finally airports as well around the world have utilized pavers so there's parts of sydney airport which have got pavers cairns airport here in sydney is all the taxiways are completely segmentally paved and around the world if we look at airports like london heathrow and and hong kong all have some form of segmental pavement making up the entire 
taxiway apron structure. And one of the things, Michael, about paving is that some people forget is you don't actually have to wait for it to cure. As soon as the pavers are laid, they're pretty much ready to go, which obviously if we go back to Roman times, they were paving the road and then rolling those things straight over it. You're right, Elizabeth, and that's a really fundamental characteristic of pavers which sets them apart from other materials. And if we go and look at airports and commercial hard stands, these facilities can't afford downtime. And so the ability to replace pavers or or lay these surfaces and traffic them instantly in terms of the entire project duration, it shortens that. But then ongoing maintenance, they can spend some time, replace what they need to, and they can traffic it instantly. All right, so let's now go into the different types of pavers because I think this is really important. And and we might just talk on a little bit about where they're used and then what are their what are their advantages and, and disadvantages. So the first one I wanted to talk about was larger flag pavers. How do you sort of categorize them, Michael? So a flag paver is a individual unit with a plan or surface area of greater than 0.08 square metres. So if we look at that in a realistic or a practical sense, we're sort of looking at a unit which is 400 by 200 or 300 by 300 or greater. So that larger format unit, and we see those in driveways, in pedestrian areas, and, and not so much trafficked, but more so pedestrian areas especially in shopping malls. And where do we see these? I think these can have a a beautiful look, these pavers. But what's the biggest sort of misuse of these pavers? Typically, when these flag pavers are used in traffic applications, which they haven't been designed for. And an example of that is I've seen uh, pedestrian footpaths which has a crossover to a service station. And so the pedestrian footpath was designed as a pedestrian application, but the designer didn't consider that it would be trafficked by cars and trucks Trucks. constantly. Mm -hmm. And so that portion of the pavement failed. Understandable. All right. The next one that we're going to talk about is smaller format interlocking pavers. Where do you normally see these ones? This is the most common paver and we can see them in all applications. So we see them in pedestrian footpaths, in roads, in terminals, port terminals and in airports. And this is our most common unit and they do come in various shape formats, but this is our go-to paver for the majority of our uh, paving applications. And the third type of paver that we obviously want to talk about is permeable pavers. What, What makes permeable pavers different? What makes permeable pavers different is that when we, if, if I take a step back and look at the flag and segmental, we assume these pavers are impermeable. And so any rain that hits our surface is directed into drains through falls in the surface. With a permeable paver, what differentiates it from a normal paver is the fact that it allows water to pass through it. And once we understand that concept of water passing through the surface, how we capture it and store it and treat it, can be done in different ways by the designer. But fundamentally, a permeable paver allows water to go through it. So now we're just going to talk a little bit about shapes, Michael. And they sort of like, pavers do come, as we've mentioned, in all types of shapes. What shape would you use for foot traffic? Foot traffic, because of its low loading, can be uh, any number of shapes. But a lot of the time we see these rectangular shapes or square type shapes because we've got these fantastic checkerboard patterns and yes. and different 
laying patterns and, and colors of units that we can incorporate into our pavement. And that's probably the most commonly used shape for foot traffic. And then what would you use for vehicular traffic? When we look at vehicles and designing pavers to use in, in vehicle applications, we want a dentated unit. And what we mean by that is a unit which has angular edges and it allows those units side by side to lock into each other. And that stops them moving as that car or the or the truck or the bike is going over it. So we typically used angular or dentated units for a traffic application. And again, if we just looked at some of the shapes, the L-shaped paver, what's that useful for and, and, and what are its advantages? So the L-shaped paver is a dentated unit and it just helps, again, facilitate lockup or, or ensures that that paver surface is as strong as it can be. And, and by using different shapes for different applications, we can ensure that the surface will maintain its integrity over time. Michael, I do just want to talk a little bit about bonds because I think that not only is it the paver that's really important, but also it's the pattern in which it's laid. One of my favourite bonds is the herringbone bond and people might actually refer to this as the herringbone shirts if they know of that sort of pattern. But could you just talk me through the herringbone bond? Yeah, so... Obviously, pavers, which are individual segmental units, allow themselves to a range of different laying patterns. And and if we start at the, let's just call it the weakest pattern for this conversation, Mm -hmm. a stack bonded or a stretcher pattern would be the weakest. And that's where we would use that for typically pedestrian applications where there's low traffic. Stepping up from that, we have a basket weave pattern. And that's almost like a, a bit of a checkerboard pattern where we've got two units going one way and two units at 90 degrees going the other way. And that just facilitates a little bit more lock up in the pavement and stops the unit side by side moving away from each other, which then leads us to the herringbone pattern, which is that zigzag pattern. And that's the strongest laying pattern available. And using a herringbone pattern in trafficked or vehicular applications is essential to maintaining serviceability throughout its design life. So then, Michael, if we're looking at interlocking pavers with an opening, could you just take us through some of the different shapes that are available there? Yeah, so the way we allow water to pass through a permeable paver can happen in a few different ways. So the first way is with a paver with an opening, and that's a small little opening which obviously allows the water to pass through it. The second way is a paver with a widened joints, and so Typically, a paver will have a two mil joint, but with a permeable paver, you might have a five to seven mil joint, and that widened joint is where the water is allowed to pass through. And the third way is a porous paver, and that's when the paver itself is made out of uh, a material called no fines concrete or, or a porous material, which allows water to pass through the paver itself. And they're the three main permeable paver types that we use here in Australia. Perfect. So, Michael, let me just check to see whether I've understood all of these correctly. The first thing is that segmental paving is basically any paving made from precast units. We're talking about modular pavers that are laid individually and obviously joined together by mortar or sand, and they can be used in a variety of different ways. We're thinking footpaths, but roads, airports, bus stations, large public spaces. Absolutely. If designed correctly, they can be used in any application. And then within those applications, we've got the different 
types of pavers. And we've got large flag pavers, which we normally see in, say, shopping centres, smaller format interlocking pavers that we might see for roads or footpaths, and then permeable pavers, which allow the water to pass through. And we normally see that for water-sensitive urban design. Yeah, and that's when, as a designer, we understand what we're designing and then we can start to select the actual unit type based on the application that we're designing for. We also talked about shapes and also what type of bonds that were available. So we looked at the basic rectangular paver for foot traffic, for vehicular traffic, we talked around interlocking pavers. And we also looked at sort of the different types of bonds. We started with the weakest bond, which was stretcher bond, then through to basket weave bond, and then the most effective and strongest bond being herringbone bond. And we looked at the different patterns that might be used a, a, across those applications. That's right. And so if, if we keep stepping down through the through the cycle, we've got the application that we're designing for, then we choose a size of unit based on that application, and then we choose the bond type based on how much traffic or what type of vehicles might traffic that pavement. And so then we looked at permeable pavers and the different types of openings that they could have, either with a specific opening in their shape with widened joints or, in fact, just being porous pavers. Yeah, and that will be a function of the amount of water that we're trying to remove from the surface and also what's available to you in your area. But all types of permeable pavers serve the same purpose, which is to allow water to pass through them. So, Michael, you know that when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm normally doing something else, but where can our listeners go to find out some more information? Anything paver related, the CMAA should be your first point of contact. And design paved software really simplifies what we went through today in designing a pavement, both trafficable and permeable. So either reach out to the CMAA via email or on the website, but I would absolutely urge any pavement designer who's interested in designing these systems to, to download and start using Design Pave. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow, rate and review our podcast. We are always looking for ideas of what to talk about. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear about, there's a link in our show notes to let us know.